Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Have you found the third chapter of the book of Acts? Verse 19 says, Repent, therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out, so that times of refreshing, in recent months we've looked at this scripture, we know that this was referring to times of revival. And in fact, many modern translations write it that way. They so that, so that times, or one translation said seasons of revival, may come from the presence of the Lord and that he may send Jesus Christ who was preached to you before whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. So this tells us that that when Jesus ascended into heaven that he must remain there uh, until the times of restoration. Verse 21 says, whom heaven must receive until the times of restoration of all things. The previous verse talks about seasons of revival coming from the presence of the Lord. So, the, so we know leading up to the return of the Lord Jesus Christ, his return to catch away the church, leading up to that, we can expect seasons of revival. Amen. We're in revival here in this church. Hallelujah. Now you wouldn't, you wouldn't know it by our attendance this morning. Look around. This is, listen, this is what it looks like when you're not here. When you think, well, I'm just gonna stay out of church today. I'm gonna go do something else. It doesn't matter. This is, this is what it looks like when you're not here. Amen. And, uh, and so when you're in revival, I tell you, you're hungry for God. Amen. When people who are in revival are in church. Amen. I said people who are in revival are in church. I'm not talking about vacations and things that have come, uh, occasionally come up that, that interfere. I'm talking about people who, who uh, unless there's something real significant, real unusual going on, they're in church. Amen. And, and so uh, seasons of revival have, have come throughout church history and we're in a season of revival now. But like I said before, you can go to a church that's in revival and have revival happening all around you and even believe in revival, <clears throat> be thrilled with it, be happy for people and just think it's the most wonderful thing and not be in revival yourself. Amen. We have to stir ourselves up to lay hold of God. Amen. And then we're, we're talking about in this series these times of restoration. Before Jesus returns, times of restoration of all things which God has spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Now, when it's, when it's talking about all things that have been spoken uh, by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. You have, to put, you, you have to let the Bible interpret the Bible. In this passage, he says something very similar to this in verse number 18. Notice verse 18. But those things which God foretold by the mouth of all his holy prophets that the Christ would suffer, he has thus fulfilled. 
So when it's talking about all the things that have been spoken by the mouths of all of his holy prophets since time began, he's talking about the things concerning Christ. Amen. He's not necessarily talking about uh, other things that have been spoken by the mouth of all, of all holy prophets because they cover a lot of things. He's talking specifically about the things concerning Christ. Well, what things concerning Christ, what things have been spoken that need to be restored? You see, a lot of times people, uh, they, they, paint these little, or build these little spiritual air castles around, I call them, around things. They, they sort of invent things and try to, and try to tell people that, that this is what God's doing. I remember a number of years ago when the uh, uh, theatrical dancing, what do they call it? Interpretive dance uh, began to be very popular in a, in a lot of churches where people would get up in the front and they would have banners and they'd be dressed in, in uh, you know, uh, dancing outfits, you know, and they would dance a choreographed dance. I'm not talking about dancing in the power of the Holy Ghost. I'm talking about a choreographed dance routine. And they would say it was interpreting what the Spirit was saying in the service. It was interpretive dance. Well, you, you, can't, you can't choreograph an interpretation of what the Holy Ghost is saying in dance. But I remember one of the justifications. Now, that kind of ran its, its course because, it, you know, these things that these trends and these fads that come up in the church, they never last very long because they don't really bless anybody. People get all excited about it for a period of time and then eventually it has no fruit, it has no lasting benefit and people forget about it. So that kind of went by the wayside. I, I hear that in some camps, in some portions of the church today, this interpretive dance thing, they've just gotten a hold of it like it's something new and they're all excited about it. But, but I remember back, I said all that to say this, back in those days, the, the, the justification for this was people used to say, God is restoring the arts to the church. God, now listen, God is restoring the arts to the church. Well, when you think about art in the church, uh, it was about, about the third or fourth century when uh, uh, artistics, you know, the, the, uh, the, the, what do you call it? The visual arts, you know, the uh, paintings and so forth. People began to paint, you know, uh, these uh, mosaics and things representing, you know, different uh, uh, scriptural scenes and stuff. But that didn't come about until like the third or the fourth century. And it was even longer than that before any kind of anything that you could call a, a dance was conducted in the church. And it was really when, when the Catholic Church started the processionals. And so it was a choreographed, you know, kind of a, it was more of a march than a dance. But that was even several centuries later. So, so it, it amazed me when people said, God is restoring to the church the arts. I thought, you can't restore something to the church that wasn't in the church in the beginning. That was something that was added. Are you listening to me? Now, listen, there's nothing wrong with art. And, and, and I guess if you like to dance, there's nothing long, wrong with that. But the point is, God is restored. He said there are times of restoration of all things which were spoken by the prophets 
concerning the Christ. In other words, everything about Jesus is what's being restored. And we're living in the time of the restoration of all things. You can look at it this way. Uh, There are some things that concerning Christ and concerning his character, concerning his authority, concerning his power, there are some things in those categories that are lacking. Thank you for that one amen. I appreciate that, brother. Thank you for that. Praise God. There are some, there are some things lacking in the church that used to be in the church that, that were in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and we read all about it in the gospels and then over in the church age in the book of Acts. We read about the character of Christ that prevailed. We read about the authority of Christ that prevailed. We read about the power of Christ that that prevailed in the church. Well, those are the things that must be restored to the church before Jesus comes back. Jesus is coming back, for we looked at this scripture a couple weeks ago, he's coming back for a church that is without spot and without wrinkle or any such thing. He's coming back for a pure church. Amen. And so God is restoring the character of Christ. And it's not, when you say it that way, it's not so much that God has withdrawn anything and now he's giving it back. It's that people have backed off. And in our series in revival, I I, I said uh, the reason we need revival is because people always backslide. Now that doesn't mean you have to always backslide. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying in general, in mass, in, when you think about the totality of God's people, God's people always backslide. And you don't have to read very far in the Old Testament to see that time and time and time again, Israel, they would be revived, they'd be stirred up, they would repent of their uh, uh, idolatry and so forth and they would really hunger for God and go after God and then within another generation, they would start uh, 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 following after false gods and the the nations around them and they would backslide and God would have to send another prophet, another revival to kind of restore them. This this scenario repeated itself over and over and over again throughout Israel's history. Well, it's repeated itself throughout church history as well. And so because people backslide, God sends seasons of revival and the purpose of these revivals is to restore the church in every area of Christ so that the person of Christ, everything that's in him, everything that is of him, everything about him is is demonstrated throughout the church. Well, praise God, I'm more excited than you are about this, evidently. Hallelujah. Let You'll be even more excited before we go further. Let, turn with me over to Ephesians chapter four. Ephesians chapter four. Praise God, you wore everybody out this weekend, Angela. <laughs> Hallelujah. Ephesians chapter four, verse 17 says, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their hearts. 
Having, it says, uh, who being past feeling have given, have given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But you have not so learned Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. We talked about last week putting off the old man and putting on the new man. What does it mean to put on the new man? Well, the fact is, he says the new man was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Now, without turning there, most of us, most of you can quote this scripture, but we'll just make reference to us. It says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, if any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Well, that simply tells us when Jesus said you must be born again, he wasn't talking about the outward man, he was talking about the inward man. And this scripture that I quoted over in 2 Corinthians, it says if any man, this new man is in Christ, old things have passed away, all things have become new, and all things are of God. When you accepted Jesus as your savior, a, a, not just a, you weren't renovated. You weren't changed. You, a new person came into being. It's not the old man made better. It's not the old man cleaned up. The old man, according to the scripture, died the death of the cross and on the inside of you, God created a brand new person. Like I said last week, the new person is not related to the old person. Now see, I, I, I told, told you last week, my wife and I bought a house 15 years ago, 14 years ago, I guess, and we're, the, we're at least the third owner of this house. There might be some more, but I know uh, for, for, uh, for a fact, no, three other people before us. And so there were other people that lived in that house. Well, we're in that house now. We own the house. It's our house. It's not their house anymore. Just because we're in the same house doesn't mean we're related to those former occupants. We're not related to them in any way. We're not like them. We don't look like them. We don't talk like them. We don't act like them. We don't know their friends. We don't go to the places they go. Are they, see what I'm saying? Well, when you were born again, the old man that lived in this, in this body, in this house, that old man died and God created a brand new person, put him in that old house. Well, you see, the reason people, are Christians, are bound up with things from the former life is because being in that old house, and, and part of that is, you know, the, the, the soul of man, the, the mental part of man, that wasn't born again either. It's the spirit of man that's born again. We're, re, we're told to renew our mind, which is the saving of our soul. We get into the word of God and we renew our mind to begin to think like God. The, the new birth is an instantaneous, one-time recreation of our spirit and we're a brand new man, but you live in that old house and you still have those old memories. A Christian who is continually bound up by things that, that happened B.C., before Christ, is like my wife and I struggling with some kind of ghosts from the past living in our house. 
Well, you know, Dr. So-and-so lived here and he was a weirdo. And he, did, he, he was weird. He did, and, we, and, and we did have a doctor that lived in our house who was a weirdo. He owned the house, not the one that built the house, but another doctor owned it. And, and from the reports I've heard, he was very weird. No, it wasn't Dr. Swartz. It was another doctor. No, I said not the doctor who built the house. That was Swartz. There, there was another doctor. <laughs> we moved into our house and... I, uh, I, I needed to put up the, the TV antenna, the, the big, you know, outside antenna what was broken. So I needed somebody, I, went, I, I decided I was gonna climb up there. I got up on the roof and then I climbed up on that antenna and I got about six feet above the roof and I said, this is not for me. <laughs> and so I got down, I called a guy, you know, that did that and he, you know, climbed up there and put the new antenna up and everything and he, uh, he, he went inside our attic and he'd been up there a little while and he'd come back down. He said, uh, Mr. Anderson, he said, what are all those microphones doing in your attic? I said, say what? <laughs> he said, there are microphone cables and microphones all up in your attic. The, the, the other doctor that had, bought, had lived in their house and owned that house evidently installed microphones in, and was eavesdropping on his guests. I said, Number one, go up there and get all of those microphones and cables out of my attic. And I want you to know for sure, for a certainty, I didn't put them up there. That's all I need is for people to spread around. Yell that pastor down there, he's got his house wired, you know. I said, I don't have anything to do with that. Get all those microphone cables out of my attic. And, and he did, he got rid of all of them, you know. And, and uh, But you know, it, it, a Christian, I said all that, that's a good illustration. A Christian who allows the things from the past, that's somebody else. Somebody else used to live in your house. That's somebody else used to run around and do all those crazy things. All those microphone cables from the past. You need to yank all that stuff out of your attic, I'm telling you. You need to get rid of all that stuff. Don't fellowship with that stuff because it doesn't belong to you. It has nothing to do with the new occupant in this house. You're a new man. That's what it's talking about when it says, put off the old man. Get rid of those microphone cables. Tear all that stuff out of your life. Get rid of it because there's a new man on the inside and, and put on the new man. Put him on. Well, I don't feel like going to church. Put him on. Well, I don't feel like witnessing to anybody. Put him on. Yeah, but I don't feel like walking in love. I feel like being angry at so. No, put off the old man, put on the new man. The new man was created in righteousness, true holiness, and the presence of God. Put that on. Is it good to be a put on? In this case, yes. In this, in this instance, yes. Be put on the new man. How do you do that? By the renewing, it told us, be renewed in the spirit of your mind. That's how you do it. Yeah. What does that mean? Start thinking in line with the Bible. Start thinking in line with the word of God. Yeah. Start reprogramming. Start reprogramming up here according to the word of God and weed out everything and every thought that was from the former life. Everything that's inconsistent with the word of God, take it out, tear it out, pull it out. 
renovate it. See, our, our inward man's not renovated, but the, but, the, but the outer man does have to be renovated. It has, the old stuff has to be torn out and the new stuff brought to life. Amen, put it on, praise God. Amen, this will cause you, when you do this, it will, when you renew your mind with the word of God, it will cause you to want to separate yourself from things that defile. When I heard about the, the old stuff in my attic, the, the, new, the new occupant in, uh, in my house said, no, 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 we can't have that. We can't have that stuff. That's not going to, that's not gonna be in this house anymore. See, I, I wanted to separate myself from that. Amen. And, and if you'll renew yourself and renew your mind with the word of God, you'll want to separate yourself. Go with me over to James. James chapter four. Hallelujah. Where do wars and fights come from among you? Are you found, have you found James four verse one? Come on, Quentin, get on over there, son. James four. Somebody help him find that. James 4, verse 1. <laughs> yeah, he just got saved last week, wasn't it? Two weeks ago. Verse 1 says, Where do wars and fights come from among you? Do they not come from your desires for pleasures that war in your members? You lust and do not have. You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. Now that word pleasures there in the Greek is hedone, hedone, which is the word that we, it's the root word that we get uh, the words that have to do with uh, hedonism. In other words, it's in, in the Bible, this verse, this word is always used of sinful pleasures. It says, you do not ask, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss, you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your sinful pleasures. Adulteresses and adult, adulterers and adulteresses, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealousy, jealously, but he gives more grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud and gives grace to the humble. Therefore, submit to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Draw near to God and he will draw near to you. See, in the Christian's life, there, there are things that we have to resist, we have to stand against. And he warns us about being, uh, wanting to be close with the world. He says, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Listen, we live in a time where people are so concerned 
I'm talking about culturally, just across the board. People today are so concerned about being accepted. Nobody wants to come across as though they're out of step with modern culture. That's, that's what's given rise to the whole political correct uh, movement. There is this idea that there are certain things you can think and certain things you can say, and if you, if you stray outside of that, if you, if you think outside of these imposed norms, then there's something wrong with you, and, and people will do just about anything to keep from being tagged incorrect. Well, that creeps into the church in a measure. I said that creeps in the, into the church in a measure. And there are Christians today that are more interested in being aligned with and in harmony with and in agreement with the world around them than they are the things of God. How do people get in, in, into such a, a situation? Friendship with the world. Amen. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity, that means hatred, with God. Whoever, therefore, wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Turn with me over to 1 John chapter 2. 1 John chapter 2. Are you listening to me? Verse 15 says, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. Listen, the thoughts the ideas, the philosophies of this age will pass away. I said they'll pass away. And the truth of God's word will always remain. It endures forever. And he who does the will of God will endure forever. Amen. I, I hear, I, sometimes I'm, I'm uh, concerned, alarmed really, when I hear born again, spirit-filled believers talking the talk of the world, talking the, and, and endorsing the ideas of this world. Amen. I was listening to a, a, a clip that a friend of mine sent me of Hillary Clinton in 2004. She was talking about marriage and she said that she believed that marriage was not just a bond but a sacred bond. That marriage was the foundation of civilization and that it went back millennia. It went back into the, she said, into the mist of history, that it was the bedrock upon which society was built and that it was established as marriage as being between a man and a woman, one man and one woman. That's what she said in 2004. 
that it was something that was tied to antiquity, that it was tied to, she didn't use the Bible. Of course, we know where it comes from. God is the one said, I created them male and female and said that a man should leave his father and mother, be joined to his wife and they too should be one flesh. God created marriage. Hillary Clinton was just making a political speech. She wasn't referring to the Bible, but she was referring to history and the fact that marriage has existed as as an institution of humanity from the very beginning, defined as uh, the the marriage and and the union of one man and one woman. But now, here 10 years later, she's endorsing something different. And there are, our president's done the same thing. Now, my point is, my, my point's not to be political. I'm just, I'm just bringing those two illustrations up because they're in the news. The point is, when truth has existed and has been honored and recognized by all cultures, all nations, throughout history, based on the truth of God's word, It is absurd to think that in a few years' time that suddenly we're going to to endorse something new, something different, and deny all of that. And people will say, and this is what I've heard, people will say, well, you know, this is a new day. We're living in a new time. We're living in a new, and, you know, things change. I've heard that. Things change, and and you have to change with the times. Really? Really, after thousands of years, just in this latest little blip of time, oh, yeah, we've got to change because things are changed. No, you know what? The word of God, the truth of God's word will abide forever. And those who do the will of God will stand with it and abide with it forever. You want to get on a sinking ship? You want to get on a, on a, on a, a fleeting little, little a tangent? And some kind of a philosophy of men? Because after all, we're enlightened now. Really? Oh yeah, just in these last few years, we're suddenly enlightened. Yeah, you want to jump on that and ride with that? I've heard Christians talking about that. I'm telling you, the truth of God's word, I'm gonna stay with the word of God. Because I really don't care what the world thinks. God didn't put me here so that I could be accepted by the world. Do not love the world or nor the things in the world and do not be friends with this world. Now, I'm not talking about not having I, see, I like to call, I like to refer to uh, evangelist, evangelistic friendships. Jesus said to make friends with unrighteous mammon. See, I believe in, in making friends with unsaved people for the purpose of, of getting close to them so that I can impart life, so that I can lead them to the Lord. So we're not talking about living your life, you know, as, as, a, uh, as a monk, you know, and hiding away in a monastery. That's not the kind of separation we're talking about. No, we're, we're supposed to mingle with this world and let our light shine and have influence into people's lives. But when you're friends 
When your when you're companions, people that you hang with and you like to buddy up with are people of this world, you're going the wrong direction. I've said it before, I've said it for decades. Your best friends, the people you pal around with, the people you spend time with, the people you just like to relax and hang out with need to be people of God. People who know the Bible, believe the Bible, people who will build you up, people who will hold you to account to, uh, uh, to the word of God, not people in this world. You make friends with the people in this world and they will bring you down. Now, now, again, you understand what kind of friends I'm talking about. I'm not talking about evangelistic relationships. I'm talking about people that, there are folks in, in the church that they don't ever really participate in the things of the church. They just come. They come to church. We see them all the time. But they never really, they never really become a part. They don't really build close relationships. But out in the world, they've got, they've got relationships with people in the world. That's where, that's where they go when they get off work. That's, what they, that's who they hang with. That's who they go out with. And, and, it, and it steadily erodes their Christian walk. So, well, I, I'm trying to be a light to people. Really? When you act like they do, you talk like they do, you look like they do, you, and you, you uh, endorse the things that they endorse. You go along with the things that, you, you're, you're not winning them, they're winning you. I said, you're not winning them. You're not being a light to them. They're, they're, they're overcoming you. Well, praise God. Amen. Do not be friends with the world. Did I read that right? Friendship with the world is What? enmity with God. Whoever wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. That's pretty strong. I'm glad I didn't say it. If I had said that, you'd have reason to criticize. you said, say, no, hold on, Pastor. That's just too strong. Well, James said that by the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. Yes, he did. Praise God. Glory to God. Go with me over to... Uh, and we'll close with this scripture. That'll make you feel better. Make you think we're winding down. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? Lawlessness. What communion has light with darkness? And what accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. Now we use this scripture, everybody knows this scripture, in relationship to marriage and it's, and it's, uh, and it's valid. You don't have young, young people, you don't have any business Developing romantic relationships with anybody that's not a Christian. It's, it's, it's contrary to the word of God. And really they need to be believers who believe like you do. You say, well, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to get married. I'm just going to go out on a date. 
I'm not going to marry him. I'm not going to marry her. Where do you think that starts? Think people just walk into to the mall one day and look at somebody and they say, let's get married. Yeah, let's go do it. Where do you think, where do you think marriage starts? It starts with courting. Amen. We told our sons, you're not dating any girls who aren't born again and spirit-filled, period. You're just not doing it. Don't even think about it. Because you see, somebody says, well, I, you know, I'm just gonna, I like, he's just so cute. He is just, oh, she is so pretty. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna date. I'm not even thinking about getting married. Well, nobody's thinking about, well, maybe some people are, but most, the guys aren't, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> the guys aren't, I know that. But most, most people aren't thinking about marriage at the beginning. They just, they just want some companionship just because, you know, she's pretty. He's cute. You see those relationships, those bonds start being established and then all of a sudden you got a problem. Yeah, but he, you know, he really does love God. Really? He won't go to church, but he loves God. Oh, yeah, God's working on him. Oh, my Lord. I can, if, if I could tell you the people I knew and the instances I knew where he strung this young lady along, oh, yeah, as soon as we get married, I'll go to church. As soon as we get married, I really do love God. I, I, as soon as we get married, you'll see. Silly girls. And the older ones are not any better sometimes. They fall for the same old lies. Yeah. Oh, but he, he, he's a good provider. He takes care of me. Yeah, and, and have you witnessed to him? Oh, yeah, we've talked about the Bible all the time. And yet he won't come to church. Or he won't give his life to the Lord. There's one of two things going on. Either you are such a terrible witness... Your life is so much a wreck that, the, that your witnessing to him is completely destroyed by the way you live. That you are, you're a terrible witness. Therefore, you're not impacting him or her at all. Or secondly, he or she has defiantly said, I am not going to live for God. And you're going to marry him. Well, you're going you're gonna to limit your fellowship with the Lord. I'm going to tell you that. You'll limit your fellowship with the Lord. You'll, 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 you'll suffer in life. Amen. Well, what about other? This is not just talking about marriage. Other, other relationships could be business partnerships, close friendships. We'll take another minute here because I'm... I don't want to get off of this. What fellowship has righteousness with unrighteousness? What fellowship is it? What fellowship is there with a Christian and non-Christians? What fellowship is there? Why do you want to, have, why do you want to enter into close ties and bonds He's, he's, he says there's no fellowship. That's what that's implying. There's no fellowship. What? 
What fellowship is there with righteousness and lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What communion? What kind of communion is there between you and, and people who aren't saved? There's not any. I said there's not any. And there never can be any. Well, praise God. What accord has Christ with Belial? What, what accord is there? You're going to enter into a business relationship and become a partner with somebody who, who believes just crazy things and, and, and defies God, defies the truth, rejects your gospel, rejects your Savior. You're going to go into business with them, are you? What, what, what is that? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? I tell you, it's serious. I can't, I mean, I could tell you, but I won't. I could tell you story after story, person after person who had allowed themselves to become more familiar with the people of this world and begin to cut off their fellowship with the people of God for whatever reasons. And, and, and I watched it. I've seen it over and over. I've seen it. You know what it results in? Backsliding. Amen. Well, praise the Lord. Let's, let's, let's end on a good note. God has said, I will dwell in them, walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. Do not touch what is unclean and I will receive you. I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. Now, he's talking to Christians here and the truth is God is their father. They are his, God's sons and daughters. But he's saying, if you'll separate yourself and and go after the things of God, I will be a father. See, he is your father, but he's not being able to be your father. Do you understand that? He is your father, but he's not being able, he's not had the privilege and the opportunity to show himself as your father because you're not living right. He said, I will be a father to you. What does a father do? Father takes care of his own. A father provides. A father protects. Glory to God. A father, a father is, is someone who nurtures and, and, and empowers and, and, and trains and, and, and invests in you. That's what God wants to do. Amen. But unholy affections and, and relationships and so forth hinder God. Well, praise the Lord. Therefore, having these promises, verse 1, chapter 7, Beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Well, let's stand. Praise the Lord. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.